Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, you're listening to The BIP Show. BIP is for business investing and policy. That's what we're here to talk about. I'm Paul Colgan, director at CT Group, and I'm here with James Whelan. Macro strategist and investment manager at VFS. Mate, we are fantastic. We're making history today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know. This is easily the most complex thing we've ever done and probably the most hilarious. Uh, We're here in Sydney. Well, at least James and I are uh, recording this on the 22nd of October 2020. And joining us on the line, uh, as usual, from from Amsterdam is Ken Vexler, Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer at Acumen Management. How are you, Ken? Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm well, Colgo. It's sunny. Uh, The leaves are yellow and everything's good. So let's, uh, let's crack on, yeah? Yeah, this is going to be fun. Uh, look, I don't think it could be said that we're afraid of having a bit of fun on the BIP show, but this uh, week we are going in there, boots and all. Uh, look, retweets are not endorsements. That's a well-known fact. Um, but what about having an anonymous podcaster on your show? Does that mean it's not endorsing It's endorsing the content, James? No. I don't what, know. Is it? What about having three anonymous podcasters on your show? No. No, I, I, I don't even endorse. I don't, in, I don't endorse you. I barely even endorse my own work, mate. So it's... it's uh, uh, big, a big time today because um, the, the the financial world, the financial world of Twitter is um, a lot of it is actually the glue that sort of sticks it together is the anonymous side of things. People who who aren't you know sort of in the background. Absolutely, and it's a big community, and uh, um, some of the pillars of that community yep. are uh, with us on the show this evening. Uh, we are featuring three of the biggest, brightest, and most interesting people. Uh, who run anonymous accounts on finance Twitter or FinTwit, as we lovingly call it. These guys are stars uh, to the finance industry. They're smart, they're funny, and they also want to keep their jobs, so we're keeping them anonymous. Yeah. Um, so first up is uh, Ignore8903950, who for the purposes of this conversation we're going to call Bruce. G'day, Bruce. <laughs> G'day, how are you going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it, a lie. All of that, all of that up front was a lie, at least as it regards me, but thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, You're not alone, Bruce. You're not alone. No. Um, there, we're, we've also got uh, 8888's account uh, joining us from Singapore. G'day, 88888, or as we'll call you, Nick. Good evening. Good evening. You're very generous. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, as I think I've mentioned on the show before, that you are the uh, funniest person on Twitter in the Asian time zone. Um, and uh, with respect to Bruce and, and Nick, um, we're saving the best for last. I'm thrilled uh, that we're joined on the show by the one and only Ramp Capital. Uh, Ramp, uh, we might call you Dorothy because we need some female representation on here. Um, but uh, welcome to the show. It's a real treat. Hey, good morning. It's actually very early here. I haven't had my coffee yet. It's 6 a.m., so uh, <laughs> happy to happy to actually wake up to make this call. Yeah, um, look, we're we're, really we appreciate the effort, mate. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, r- r- I usually r- don't get up before the market even opens, so 
Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because uh, well, the most important time of the day for you, right, is uh, is three thirty p.m. Um, uh, so, um, but it, this is where it all started, isn't it, uh, for you? Um, the three thirty ramp. Um, I, I think it might be worth just recapping. Maybe you can start with you know where that gag came from uh, and how it, how it went from there to where we are now. Yeah, sure. So, um, surprisingly enough, it actually came from a a zero hedge, uh, article, at least that's where kind of, I saw it first, of course. Um, so my, my account kind of came from a perma bear, uh, tendency, I guess, but it was, it was noticed, it was noticed at least by them that, you know, this was back in 2012, 2013 timeframe. Uh, they kind of picked up on the fact that the market decided to just go up every day, you know, towards the close. And, and so, uh, the three thirty obviously comes from the New York time zone. Um, and, and the last 30 minutes, some mysterious buyer always stepping in. So I decided to kind of just create a Twitter account and, and kind of riff off of it and just be the, you know, the antithesis of, of that almost. And, 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 and be the, the ultimate permeable, so stocks always go up. I think uh, Dave Portnoy might might be the the new the new permable, but um, yeah, that's kind of where it all started from. Uh, and uh, well, it has been an incredible journey since then, hasn't it? Because uh, it's been right. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's like it's one of those things where it's like I'm not even that bullish in real life, and. I, it, it just kind of is kind of funny because it's like, man, if I would have been, I'd probably be, I probably would have been better off, you know. Like, it's just it, whenever you're so um, almost, I don't know, you get like too pessimistic when you when you read your own tweets, and then and when they turn out being right, you kind of just get mad at yourself. It is a, it, it is an amazing uh, just an explainer sort of it ties it ties the whole thing together that if you just stop thinking about it and just bought the market at three thirty and closed it on the close. Then you would you would have done all right. Like that's that's that that's that basic stupid cynicism that, that that we've had to bring to the market for the last ten years. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't seen I haven't really actually seen anybody do some advanced studies on it for you know the ten years or whatever. But it, I don't know if it ended up actually being a, a profitable strategy. Strategy. I just end up you know exploiting it every time I see it, pretty much. So then I'll throw it out there and then. It's you know it kind of became its own meme where people would tag me in it every time the market would basically go up and then and then I started taking credit for every single ramp throughout the day. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, I, or you know like or the three thirty overnight one that was the other one was like whenever it would happen in Japan. So then <laughs> you know so then what happened was people were creating all these like anonymous fake accounts like Japan Ramp Capital and like. It, it just got ridiculous. So, <laughs> do, you get, do you get any royalties for any of this nonsense? I wish. Yeah, I know. I should. Right. Well, should that's the other thing. That. Is like I think I think even a couple times Zero Hedge has actually commented and said that he owns the IP or something. So I should probably be <laughs> careful with that. Um, uh, I think one of the funniest uh, things you do is if the uh, S and P. 500 is off, you know, like half of 1%. Um, you'll, you know, tweet in all caps, all caps, you know, close the market. Close the market. <laughs> like, please stop this. I'll delete delete my account if the market goes below X. Uh, that, that's some of my, my favourite ones. But, um, I mean, uh, monetising it, 
ramp, I mean, it's it, it can't be that far off. I mean, the, the the guy that rates dogs on the on Twitter has managed to monetize that quite well. He never has to work for the rest of his life. Surely, I mean, <laughs> there's a fund. Did you do we want to talk about the fund that uh, that was started there? We ramp. Just cut to that while you. Yeah, yeah, we can we can bring that up. Yeah. So I mean, I, I've essentially monetized it at this point, um, but you know that's I think we can even talk about to just like, I guess anonymous accounts in general or monetizing social media accounts. I think it's. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially with Twitter, Twitter is very hard. Twitter does not have a good setup for, um, for monetizing at all. Um, you know, obviously you're limited to 280 characters unless you start doing threads, but you know, even then it's like, there's all these things that I see as far as engagement and stuff, whenever you do ads. Um, but one of the things I tried doing even just last year is I kind of, I started it off by setting up a blog, just a simple just a simple blog, right? Blog one or two times, um, one or two times a week. And I tried to make it funny yet informational. And that's kind of been my whole stick from the beginning is, you know, make jokes and, and, and be funny. And, but at the same time, like kind of cross the line of what's real, what's not, 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 not necessarily call myself fake news, but, but in a way make, make, make finance funny because everyone knows that it's, you know, uh, you know, with, with, and money involved, it, it still is serious. But I think that was part of the reason why it was so popular in the beginning. And, and even now still is just the fact that people take it so serious. So, uh, you know, I started doing the blog and then I kind of, at the end of last year, I was like, you know, I, to me, this is all, I just do this stuff on the side for fun. And, and, and I kind of wanted something new. And so I kind of talked with, uh, I kind of came up with this idea and then talked with, talked with some other people, and just kind of got some of their feedback and it, it's going to evolve still because I'm still messing with it. So it, essentially what I did was I created a crowdsource portfolio and, and how that works is I, at the beginning of the year, what I did was I, I started um, and I put $10,000 in it, nothing, you know, maybe that's a lot for a lot of people and it is, but not to downplay it. But um, sometimes I get shit for, you know, Oh, that's not, that's nothing. And it's like, okay, well I'd like to see you put $10,000 of your own money money on something this crazy. So what I did is I took $10,000 and I, and I started from the week one of 2020 and I started running Twitter polls every week. And then from those Twitter polls, I'd put in four stocks and whichever stock won the poll, I would go and buy the clothes. And so I've been doing that for 43 weeks now. And, and it's killing it. Fund, <laughs> the fund, yeah, the fund is up 30% roughly. What's the sharp um, What's the sharp ratio on that? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the sharp ratio is definitely going to be super high. I, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but I would, yeah, I, I could look and actually find that. It probably is the most important information I know because, like, I know that you know you can only. The thing is, you're only. I'm only putting in four stocks in, in, in a way. I'm picking those. Sometimes they've been random. Sometimes they've been thematic. Sometimes it's just you know it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I mean, it still is outperforming and. Some of that can be contributed to Amazon. Some of that can be contributed to, you know, some of these other stocks. But, like, at the same time, we've missed out on a lot of gains. I mean, there have been some gains in there that it, it, it missed by, you know, half a percent of the vote that got second place and, and never entered the portfolio. And, and some of them went up 150%. And, the, and then, you know, the ones we pick maybe went down. So, I mean, it could have absolutely killed it because I've only been buying five stocks. So basically I buy the stock, hold it for five weeks, and then it comes back into the, the poll for the next. 
and then it re-enters as a legacy stock. So well, let's uh, uh, like like Amazon's been in since day one. Well, yeah, Let, let's let's talk about the power of the crowd, and we'll we'll go into stonks, and then uh, and then open it up. I think we'll go over to five eights with that one. So what's it holding at the moment, Ramp? Uh, so so right now it's holding um, Alibaba, Amazon, Nerd, which is the uh, esports ETF from Roundhill. Yep. Uh, full disclosure, I have a position with them. Um, uh, what else? Lululemon and GLD. Yep. So it, it it turns over. It turns over every once in a while. It's just you know I I think I think that's one of the lessons from from this year that I might I'm considering um, switching it up next year is either putting term limits on it, which would force names in and out and would make it a little bit more engaging. But the only problem is like most of us know is that that will probably be at the detriment of returns. Mm. You know, the more you trade, probably the, the, the worse it'll end up being. But um, the other thing too, obviously to point out is like this entire thing was done and it's for charity. So um, I just, I kind of wanted to do something that I thought was, fun and unique and cool but at the same time i figured like why not just like use it to to use my actual influence online for for something good and so i haven't completely decided yet what the charity is going to be yet but and also i'm i'm wanting to set up either some kind of event or some kind of gofundme at the end of the year where people can either match it or companies can match it that i've worked with and see if i can get matches i know there are some people that have been interested so i think it'll be i think it'll be fun yeah. And, and it's a fantastic uh, story as well about leveraging uh, the finance community online, you know, to um, and you know just through Twitter polls, and um, you know, thirty <laughs> percent gain. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a great story now. But and this may come as a shock to you, Ram, but not all st- stocks go up all all the time, right? There's also bollocks of what we <laughs> shut, shut your mouth. <laughs> Well, wash it. You promised you'd never lie to our listeners, Colgo, and here you are lying. (laughs) Okay, there's also there are also the bag holders, right? Um, uh, And Bruce, uh, uh, stroke, ignore. I'm going to turn to you for this because bag holders are are a bit of a speciality of yours. Um, But talk, talk. Wow. <laughs> um, explain bag holders. Uh, what is it about and why do you love it so much? Oh, look, I, I think the, the, the funnier part is more um, it's some of the theatre around it, I guess. I think that the thing that I find most amusing uh, is really the denial that goes along. Like, look, is some of these things where you go, this is obviously bad uh, or it could be terrible on the face of it. It could be because you go like the the people that are involved are just complete shonks, or it's it basically something has been outed. Um, whether it's just a, a fundamental business issue, or whether it's actually because there was something shonky happening, um, it's then just the, just an outright denial. And it's funny; it's just obviously there's human reaction to some of this stuff. And and I mean, unfortunately, sometimes it's obviously. Um, less sophisticated participants in the market who are, who are on the wrong end of it. But at the same time, I mean, um, I mean, I know you've told me I'm not allowed to name companies, but I, I, I did tweet there was an old note um, going back, obviously, to the sort of the dot-com era um, from, a, from a name brand, Wall Street firm, and you just read it. And it was a, a business, it was the largest bankruptcy at the time shortly thereafter, 
And these guys are still backing it in, obviously, in the face. So at that time, I think you go, anyone looking at the situation would have gone, this is just absurd. <laughs> like, there's no there's no way that this, this turned out any other way than badly. And it's just the, I guess, the theatre around the denial um, <laughs> that goes along with that. And, I mean, we see it probably more in Australia just in sort of the funny little corners of the market, the really speculative areas. Um, and for me, it's probably more a matter of it's part entertainment, but it's part also, like, I mean, my first ever stock investment was a complete disaster. Um, it was what I would consider to be um, a fraud. Uh, and bizarrely, still sort of kicking along, but it's it's like that for me. It's just kind of sort of been like an evolution of what where where what 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 don't you do and what what are you actually um, what to try and avoid when you end up in those situations. I just found it amusing and it went from there. Well, and I think it's it's interesting as well because uh, I mean some of the stuff that you put out from time to time is you know just hilarious, but then there's other stuff which is actually quite sophisticated. Um, uh, analysis, like you'll take a uh, a balance sheet or a cash flow statement and um, uh, and highlight certain parts of it, and you know call attention to to certain you know patterns, etc. Uh, and uh, I, I do think one of the things that's really valuable about that is that for the people that you let follow you, um, uh, you know they they'll often um, get some. Uh, you know, if they're new, and there's a ton of people who are new to this game uh, after everybody's spending the year sitting on the couch, uh, being trapped in their homes. And, uh, you know, and I do think that's, you know, it's really super um, interesting and useful and um, uh, and, and valuable. Um, and the other person who um, likes to, not, 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 with not quite the same laser focus, um, but um, 88888. Um, or, or Nick, as as we'll call you. Um, let's talk about the name first, because uh, there's a great story behind it. Yeah, well, obviously, the FireMax account, <clears throat> uh, Nick Leeson's error account, where he hit his options trading disasters and blew up the Bearings Bank. Um, I was actually at university. I did I did, a, I did a unit on it in 1996, I think it was, on the, <laughs> just following his trades and, and working out where he went wrong and where the bank went wrong. So... On moving to Singapore and sitting in my home office for too long by myself, I set up a Twitter account, and that was the uh, obvious choice. Um, but I guess with the bag holding, I mean, I've always found failure more funny than success, but, and you know, hence the name. It's based on the error account that blew up a, a global bank. Um, but like, just a funny story on, on bag holding. Going back 10 years, I remember having a few Chardonnays and um, talking to a few people on Hot Copper, uh, Australia's... Fascinating retail uh, stock trader site, and um, just which is <laughs> listed itself, I think. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, that's amazing. It's classic ASX areas. But I mean, speaking to these guys, and they're all probably up twenty times on their money, but they're invested in this in this mining stock that was an obvious. I'm not going to say fraud, but it was pretty shifty. It was pretty obvious. There was no institutional investors. Um, I pointed it out to them over a few wines and got banned um, <laughs> from the site. And uh, I guess the punchline to that is that stock's delisted now, um, but that there's actually a list of baggies suing the company in a class action. It's just <laughs> it's, a, it's like a cargo cult. I still think they're going to make their twenty bagger back. So <laughs> as, as sad as it is, it's really. I mean. People have no excuse in a lot of these cases, and uh, I guess what makes it even more funny at the moment is the number of institutional investors that are flying into this stuff that you just look at and think, "Hang on, this is this isn't right." Um, but people are basing careers on this thing at the moment, so 
Anyway, yeah, well, maybe, maybe this time's different. But, well, it, it's, I don't know that it's different, and I still don't know 25 years into my career in markets, I still don't know what stocks are. But I suppose my, my, my thing is that given, given what's going on in the world, given that money's free and will be probably till, till I don't know, everything else just blows up, money needs a home, right? And if, you, and if it's so cheap, you're just going to plow stuff into I mean, somebody referred to... Okay, fixed income, admittedly, but um, they refer to to some money chasers as yield halls. I agree entirely. I mean, the fact that you need to put money to work, and if you've got a chance of, yeah, twenty bagger or not, why wouldn't you? Like, where's your downside these days? Yeah, there's a lot of recency bias there. I mean, I had a bloke yeah, pitching. Yeah, I, I had a bloke pitching Snapchat yesterday. On, on a 2030 concept that all these kids that are taking photos of their wangs are going to be 30 <laughs> by then, and they're going to be a valuable uh, marketing cohort to you know, generate revenue. In 2030, I mean, I don't have an app on my phone. I don't think that was maybe, you know, how many apps have you got on your phone that are 10 or 15 years old? So I just, mm-hmm. it's fascinating to watch. Everyone can looking through now. It's gone from a 2022 earnings story to a 2030 revenue story. Yeah, the, 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 the market is looking much further ahead. You know, it, it, the, the expression the market is forward-looking now sort of is, is being taken the piss about how far forward the market is actually looking on this stuff. I mean, if you've got 16 million photos of Wangs, I mean, that's some pretty solid data, though. I mean, you could monetize that pretty well. I mean, it, 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 you, you... Yeah, I, 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 look, just a general question, um, I think, because one of the things that's happening here is um, – uh, central bank, whatever you want to call it, like stimulus. So there's government stimulus, right? That's let's call that temporary. But um, you've got this these central bank programs now, which are enormous everywhere, and they look like they're not going to be going away for a long period of time. Um, and that is, you know, adding so much more liquidity to the to the system, and it's also, you know, trying to push capital into risk. Um, and I think, uh, you know, um, Ramp, I might start with you on this. Um, just, uh, uh, you know, and you expressed this this thing of, you know, uh, wanted to become the, the ultimate uh, permable, right? Um, but have you changed, ha- have any of your sort of bearish uh, instincts, um, have they reduced uh, a little bit um, because of this kind of seemingly unstoppable uh, uh, pouring of money into into stocks for years and years and years, and every time there is um, a significant wobble, um, the Fed, and particularly in your case, you know you're based in the states. So the Fed is the the 800 pound gorilla uh, in in global markets. Um, uh, the Fed seems to come to the rescue. Um, has it um, kind of eased your 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 bearishness at all, or have it, has it changed how you think about that? I I think it has changed over the years. I mean, I think you know. I think you, if you're on FinTwit, you kind of see the the, the perma bears surrounding the Fed and everyone complaining about it. But at the same time, it, it it seems like it works every single time. You know, it's like the, the, there's the saying, "Don't fight the Fed," and it's it, it's true. It's come true every single time, and that's what's I think that's what's frustrating to a lot of people. Um, and I, I've I've kind of almost just like I think I've gotten just used to it at this point where it's. It's almost become a uh, kind of a bullish theme for me. It's like, well, we got the Fed, and like, I actually, start, I'm starting to believe it in a way. But at the same time, it's like, 
I and a lot of others just don't know how it's going to end. You know, um, we really don't. I think we're in, I don't want to say this, but it's like we're in unprecedented times, even with the Fed and, and with central banks around the world. And I think um, nobody really knows with negative interest rates and everything else, like how this is going to end up playing out over time. Is there's going to be some massive worldwide reset at some point or is it going to turn into uh, a global war i don't know and it's just you know you can sit there and even look at it you can look at um you know trump complaining about about china and 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 how that will play into interest rates uh from the fed and 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 i don't know it's it's honestly it's it's just something i kind of i i don't sit there and dote on it because i think people can get I think people can can overplay it um, on a psychology level, and it, it's just one of those things. There are no, you know, you, you. I think even if you go back and you look at whenever the, whenever the the pandemic had started and and the markets had started kind of crashing in in February, and then the Fed had finally kind of stepped in and was talking about it, and then we ended up going limit down. I think that night after they ended up providing you know, after they cut rates. And um, then I think that was at that point, everyone was kind of saying, okay, this is, this is finally the time, like the fed is out of ammo, you know, that's been the whole saying. And then, you know, you wait and then sure enough, it was a little scary because everyone's, it kind of did come to to fruition. I was just like, wait, is it, is it really going to be at this time? And then we ended up crashing, you know, another 10% or so, maybe more. I can't remember exact numbers, but then, but then we ended up rallying after it. Now we'll look at where we're at now. And, you know, so now it's like, well, were they actually out of ammo or I think the, the frustrating part is whenever they don't reverse policy, whenever we hit all time highs, because like we're all using the market as a proxy and they might not say they are. But I think everyone kind of believes they are. You know, it's like we if you look at the economy, the economy is obviously not doing near as well as the stock market is doing. So and that kind of ties into play with what you guys are saying about looking towards the future even more. Um, 2030 revenues. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, so I, I just wonder, like um, uh, Nick, I might um, with this one to you. Like, do, 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 do you know we talk about this issue of stocks? Are they are they overvalued, um, or are the ratios just out of whack now because um, we're in this um, you know in a V-shaped uh, downturn or whatever, right? Like. Do you do you genuinely genuinely worry about this? Because I know as um, as an investor, you know you you're holding um, a lot of equities, right? So, like, do do you worry about that they're just too expensive? And that, you know, how do you think about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a gold stock that's gone up fifteen times this year, so I love the set at the moment. They're magnificent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I think what we see what we see a lot in Asia is um, massive amounts of put selling or vol, whatever, however they want to describe it. They're selling vol, and so you've got huge family offices that have given up on buying bonds, and they're just selling vol on American stocks. Um, so that's a disaster. It's always a disaster waiting to happen. Um, it, just, it just creates such an imbalance in the in the marketplace. I worry for the fact that places like Australia have got their their retirees tied up in the banking system. Yeah, it's already halved, so 
it's in suspended animation at the moment. Nobody knows what's going to happen there when it comes out of um, mortgage deferral, and you, know, you just got to hope that it's good because you know, the entire a huge portion of that um, asset base has just been shoved into those names. Ah, but they get the I dividends, mate. They get the dividends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they can, they keep doing rights issues to pay that. That's good. Yeah, but I think, like from from our perspective, professionally, I mean. We've just had to look at some of the names that we own and say, well, these only make sense now if we're using a 6% discount rate. Now, we're marketing double-digit returns, but uh, yeah, are you going to plough into Visa at a 6% discount rate just because it's such a high-quality business? I mean, it literally fell 35% a couple of months ago. So professionally, that's the issue that we've got is the discount rates that we're having to put through the models and how, how much you're able to deal with those. So I guess from our, from our perspective, we... Um, yeah, we try and hedge recession risk using put options, um, but we've got the doozy of all um, recessions at the moment, and um, yeah, the markets are at a new high. And and now the, the interesting part of it all, of course, is that the vols are so high now, um, it's not worth. Well, it's very difficult to hedge using puts because it's too expensive. Yeah, it's an expensive trade. Mm-hmm. It's very expensive. So I mean, we hedged the portfolio in February, luckily, for forty basis points. The same trade costs four hundred and fifty basis points now. So yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of time decay over a three month transaction. Yeah. So yeah, look, it's tough. And uh, yeah. I've, I've I've got sorry, James. I'm going to jump in. I've got a question. I suppose open open it up to the three of you. Um, what's what's the incentive uh, for you guys to look for stocks to short, you know, bag holders or, or the like? I mean, is it an, an exercise in intellectual reward or is it? You think it's genuinely going to outperform to the downside anything that, you know, passively the index could go up or, or picking individual stocks to go long. I mean, where, where, where's – because I know it's, it, it's a lot of work, right? It, like it's properly a lot of work and it's a lot of waiting once you're in the position. So what's the incentive? Uh, I mean, uh, at the fund level, we don't short individual names because it's just too hard at the time sink. Yeah. PA, I, I love it. I, I can't get it over <laughs> you know, to, to my detriment over the last three years. <laughs> but I think that the big thing is, I mean, you know, if you look at a at a PA account and if you if you are shorting these really high beta names, then the convexity in the trade means that when the market does tank, it, those shorts go down a lot more than your longs go down. And then mm. you've got a boatload of cash to reinvest. So... Um, I guess I'm brain damaged enough to believe in absolute return investing. Um, I I hate the concept of just trying to beat the market. It doesn't make any sense to me. And maybe that's because of the fact I've been through a number of markets that have fallen by 50%. I've seen people wiped out, you know, don't come back to the the table because they've blown themselves up. Um, So leverage long to me, I mean, that might be okay if you're 20 and you're lucky, but I mean, I started in 1999, so I, I saw a lot of people get wiped out. 2007 was even worse. Bruce, what about you, man? Me, I'm, I, yeah, I'm sort of fortunate enough that the, like the, I guess the, the infrastructure and the sort of position I'm in, and from a compliance perspective, it basically makes it impractical for me, other than um, to a very, very limited extent. So for me, it is more of an intellectual exercise in looking at the kind of businesses of which I guess that others might like to um, short, and so. That, that, for me, it, it is more of an intellectual ex- exercise and, and has brought me into contact with um, some pretty, some much, much smarter people. And more what I'm doing is looking for something which I just think is a little bit interesting or a little bit odd. I mean, 
and I'm really not that clever, right? So normally it'll be just something that twigs to me and I go, okay, that's very unusual. Um, and 99% of the time, then what I'm then doing is going to those people who I know sort of have the intellectual firepower to really um, sort of make heads or tails of it. Um, and I found that to be very, very interesting. And I mean, the one, the other thing I found is I'm probably yeah overly um, conservative or too bearish. Or to be honest, most of the time, those things which are a little bit odd, particularly if it's an accounting issue, what I found is it's 99% of the time, right? It's going to be an embellishment, right? The 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 world isn't nearly as full of crooks as sort of I'm, I'm by nature <laughs> sort of think it is. Every every company I come across, I, I assume they're a fraud until they prove themselves otherwise, but <laughs> it's just not like that. Um, and so <laughs> but it's okay for stocks to go up and for and, – but a lot of the time it's embellishment, but occasionally we'll come across something very, very interesting. But for me, most of the time, simply because, I mean, it's not a money-making – uh, opportunity to a large extent for me. It's more of an intellectual exercise where it does help, I guess, from a uh, money-making perspective is knowing what to avoid. So knowing where, okay, maybe actually I'm being too bearish. The story is interesting. It is a good business establishment there. And maybe you should just tolerate that if it's a good enough business and it's just being run by people who are, I guess, maybe a bit pugnacious, um, which can be sort of a bit a bit of a turnoff to me or people who are a bit more, more um, I guess, bearish or conservative. Um, but then also trying to recognise when you go, okay, something is really um, off here. Um, and, and it can go on for quite a while, which is fairly frustrating. The way I deal with that is I just yell and carry on with a whole bunch of nonsense and rant, and that stops me from doing something stupid, like, I don't know, shorting a blatant fraud, which is going to go up 10 times or something and rip your face off. Sounds like you've traded FX before, Bruce. <laughs> Um, look, There's just better ways to make a living, surely. <laughs> you, need, you, you need an Instagram account for Forex, don't you? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, mate. 25 years in, I'm still trying to figure it all out. <laughs> Um, Ramp, you're getting a, 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 um, a bit of an introduction to some of the chaos in the Australian uh, equity um, uh, culture, uh, I guess. But, you know, one of the things everybody likes kind of doing is making fun of uh, things that seem on on uh, the surface um, a bit insane. And I think there's a really good example of this going on at the moment, Ramp, with what's happening with the um, stimulus no- negotiations in, in Congress, uh, where you get this uh, running commentary um, from the, you know the Treasury Secretary and from the Hill and from the White House uh, about you know the progress on on the stimulus talks and these headlines move the market you know half a percentage point one, you know one percentage point you know sometimes more uh, in either direction. Um, do you think this is a bit crazy because there's going to be something, isn't there? Um, I mean, it's not going to completely collapse. It's just a matter of when. But, you know, h- how do you think about all of these, um, you know, political developments feeding day by day into the valuation of equities? Yeah, it's uh, it's quite exhausting, to be honest. Um, every day I wake up, I get an alert from CNBC that basically says that stocks are either rising or falling on hopes or talks falling apart. Of, of stimulus and it honestly it's 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 tiring at this point um i don't know what's going to end up happening because we're so close to election season two i you know it makes me wonder if if some of them are playing a little bit of hardball going into election season here within the next few weeks but um 
Yeah, I mean, once that once it, it, you have to wonder too if this stuff again. It's, the question is always if this is going to sell off once it's going to sell the news once we get once we actually get the stimulus package because how many times can you rise on hope? You know, um, so yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's just I think I think I think Main Street you know needs this the stimulus. Um, so that we can basically pump up stocks again and go buy stocks. That's been my whole thing is like, can we get, just get the $1,200 so we can all put it into our favorite names. I'm waiting for it to actually happen because I'm going to tweet out as soon as we get it, I'm going to tweet out. All right, what's everyone buying? (laughs) So I think there was even, you know, there was some, maybe it was a wall street journal or some other article that came out and said, that's, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the money that was given out, like, people were investing it, which was awesome. I was joking around about it, but it ended up being true. You know, when, when meme comes, becomes reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. um, we're going to, we're going to wrap up shortly, but I thought I, I, um, one, one of the things we've been asking guests, uh, on the show, uh, since we started, uh, particularly when they've got trading experience is just about what their, uh, favorite rookie errors are. Um, that they see people making and trading, just particularly because we welcome so many uh, new people to 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 the investing community uh, uh, this year. Um, but uh, um, uh, Bruce, I'm going to start with you on this, mate. Um, uh, rookie errors. Uh, what are your favorites, dude? I'm like I'm literally in like stuck in a whole bunch of Western Australian heavy developers right now. So I'm currently in the process of making rookie errors. So probably ask one of the others. I'll let you know when I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Five eights, five eights, rookie errors, mate, to educate, show some knowledge. No, no, I think if you listen to a sell side price target, you're going to lose a whole heap of money. It's totally (laughs) irrelevant. Uh, and they're getting worse. I mean, these meme stocks that they're pumping at the moment, every day now there's someone competing to have the highest you know, price target on Tesla. You read the, you read the, you know, the DCFs are out to 2050. Um, it's just absolute nonsense. And a lot of people look at this stuff and say, oh, well, you know, there's 25% upside or worse if it's something that's bombed out and they have an up, <laughs> it might be trading at 15 cents and they've still got an 80 cent price target on it. I vividly remember people always just being attracted to that. It's just it's bad. It's it's bad for the industry. It's also bad for rookies. <laughs> yeah, um, and the the other thing that I think is um, something that we've we've touched on before in the show, but it's things like um, you know digital platforms, like you know like uh, well. There's a lot of it on Twitter. People going out and saying, "I love this stock. I think it's fantastic." And you know, and you should buy. And they're all like little, tiny, little speculative companies that you know that don't have anything. They've never earned a dollar. Um, you know, uh, they're owned by you know, uh, you know, people who um, have lots of other businesses. It's the, it's the ant juice it's, squeezing in Africa thing that we talked about a few a few months ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I think ant juice is going to be the next new thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and these are the benefits of ant juice, and this company has found some ants in uh, Africa that had to make this juice and buy the thing. And uh, there's no civil war in that particular country. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's the safest ant juice to squeeze out of the anthills, and, and it's going to be great. You should get a little bit in your portfolio, and that's the ramping it up on, on the Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Easy you, to do. You, you buy it at one-tenth of a cent, and, um, yeah, off you go. And um, so, so there is, there is a... Um, there is a fair bit of that around, um, but I also think that uh, you guys to help to sort of be a bit of a foil to that. 
um, like being in there, being accessible and, uh, you know, uh, highlighting some of the mistakes. And, um, uh, of course, um, Ramp, you're sort of uh, in a different sort of, uh, do this on a different sort of level because it's like a, almost like a caricature of a, you know, almost rookie investor or a, a naive investor, I suppose, if you like. Um, well, what, what do you think are the, um, the, the rookie uh, errors that, that, that you see in investing and particularly, um, you know, through these newcomers this year? Oh, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, where do you even start? I mean, I have some friends, I do have some friends that are kind of more getting into the investing side. And, and that's been one of my sticks too, is like, um, I'll like, I'll put screenshots that are real, you know, I'll just post straight up screenshots of them asking me about stocks. And it's just, oh man, I, I think one of the, the biggest rookie mistakes is it, just them thinking that they're smarter than the street uh, thinking that they know something before somebody else does because they saw it like on some article somewhere and then thinking that nobody else saw that or knows about it. <laughs> That's definitely one of the biggest mistakes is just like, like they think that they're the only one that knows this information. I was like, the only way you know that is if you're an insider, you know? Um, and I don't know what else, uh, God, it's just, I, I think, I don't think, I mean, to me, it's just these younger kids too. Like nobody does any due diligence anymore, any proper due diligence. That's, that's a fact. I mean, you look at the rise of the TikTok investor. Um, have you guys been watching that? Have you been watching all that stuff play out? Yes. With tears of sadness and hilarity. Yeah, right. and, it's, they'll use like two points that, you know, about a company that mean absolutely nothing and then just ignore every valuation metric possible. And then, you know, or, or you know, for, focus on, focus on analysts, uh, price targets and upgrades. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's a tough way of going about due diligence on a company. And I think that's the thing is like, if you ask, like, you know, if some, to me, it's always just like, if you, if you can give me five reasons or so why you want to buy a stock, then, you know, that's a start, but how many people, if you ask them, if they ask you, Hey, what do you think about this? If you reply back to them and say, Hey, give me five reasons why you want to buy that stock. You'd be, I'd be shocked if they could give you one or two that mm -hmm. are actually legit reasons, you know? So they take just a higher level view. And I think that's most, you know, call it retail investors, if you will, that, that that's going to end up being the case for most of them. But I see this stuff all the time. People texting me, asking me questions, um, and I just try to help them out. I just try to basically humble them and just say, listen, like you're not smarter than the market. But then the funny thing is, is, you know, some of these people that are just so naive, they end up having the best returns, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, like one of my friends was telling me to buy, and this was pre-split. So he was, he was talking about buying Tesla, uh, three or 400 pre-split. And I was just like, man, I don't know. I, I just, you know, from what I see on Twitter, I'm like, obviously there's the Tesla bulls and bears, like the biggest fight on Twitter probably. Mm. And, and sure enough, like it ended up going down about 50%. I think he was holding a huge loss, but then it went, you know, to 200, it went to 1500. And I think he still tells me about it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I told you like, it could, I, I just, I never invest in those types of things where I have no idea. It's like, there's 4,000 other stocks you can buy. Why, why waste your time on one that, just is so it's such a battleground stock that 
wasn't worth it to me. Um, and I think people are still perplexed at the valuation of Tesla right now. So, um, and they just reported earnings yesterday. So yeah, uh, with a big beat on a big, big beat on EPS. Um, so yeah, it didn't do much to the price. Though. It was only up three percent off to market. But yeah. The, uh, this, yeah, and this this relays ramp and 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 the rest of you all uh, that something that Ken and I were talking about early in the piece when we first started doing BIP show, which is that it takes a lot of experience to get to the stage where you can close your eyes and go, the market is going to go up because it's being funded and and stocks are government backed securities, government backed bonds that that, that that are supported and gold plated by by you know, the sovereign. That's that's taken a lot of experience. The funny thing is that the guys who are going in on the first day are making the same trades. So you could take it, it on, on both sides of the table. The person who's been there for a day is making the same trade as the person who's been there for, for 20 years and knows enough to know that it's stupid, but you've still got to buy those things because you know that they're going to go up. So it's, 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 it's a weird irony and a weird circle that, that, that spins the whole thing around. I still think there's a lot yeah, of people who are going to get burned <laughs> in this particular yeah, cycle. There will, there will be, and there will be. And I think that's the thing is you don't see is the risk that these people are putting up. You know, mm. um, you'll see these people that are even trashing we ramps 30% return year to date. And I'm like, and if you look at it, like you're, you made the comment, if you look at the sharp ratio, yeah, I'm sure I'm risking way too much. Uh, on some of the stocks that I'm buying, you know, it's, it's a little bit more risky, but I guarantee you these, you know, these kids that are, that are buying all these tech stocks that are trading at, you know, 50 times price to sales and things like that with, with absolutely no downturn, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it'll eventually burn them eventually. And then they'll realize it, but I don't know, maybe not, maybe they just get out and they never invest again. They put it into value stocks and they just sit there and laugh. <laughs> yeah. in, in yeah. Australia, that's when they become real estate investors. Yeah, right. Exa- <laughs> or, or pitch. Yeah, exactly. You, or you start like a TikTok account and start pitching sub services. <laughs> yeah, we might save those guys for the next episode. Uh, the uh, the spruikers that are out there. That's a, that is a whole episode on itself. I, I think so, uh, guys. This has been a, a fascinating chat. Um, I uh, want to say a huge thank you uh, to all of you for making the time uh, late at night here in uh, Australia and also uh, in the middle, uh, the, almost in the night <laughs> uh, in, uh, in the US uh, for you, Ramp. Uh, it's been a great show. Thanks for coming on, Ramp. Yep. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Uh, and uh, Nick or 888-888-888-888 accounts uh, <laughs> mate uh, thanks very much uh, for coming on the show making the time from Singapore appreciate the chat take care uh, and Bruce uh, being great uh, uh, having you on um, is, uh, definitely one of the most interesting accounts and actually so, uh, a um, very successful hedge fund manager was the person who pointed me in the direction of your account and said where to follow and uh, you know, that you were one of the sharpest guys uh, on um, Australian finance Twitter. So, um, but really appreciate you. Huh? Oh, I said, I think he probably regrets that now. <laughs> I think he's too nice to take it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and um, uh, for, for what it's uh, worth to uh, ignore is a highly accomplished, uh, uh, very heavy metal drummer. Um, <laughs> he'll, oca- <laughs> he'll occasionally um, 
he'll occasionally put some clips up there. Uh, you know, if so, if he lets you follow him, uh, it's um, it's worth a look. So you can find us uh, on Twitter at uh, the underscore uh, bip underscore show. Uh, we're all on Twitter individually as well. You can find the guys Ramp Capital eight 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 account. And uh, ignore a bunch of numbers. Um, ignore eight nine oh, eight nine oh three nine five double oh. Who's Bruce um, for for the um, for the purposes of this show? Um, but uh, and we're all James Whelan, forty two. Yep. Always there. Yep. So it's good. This is a good one. This was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and Ken Vexler um, joining us from the middle of the day. Uh, convenient time for you. That's my um, sweet spot. Yeah. yeah finally. <laughs> Get up, um, you know, place today's trade and off you go. Isn't that how it works in Forex? Don't know, mate. I'm semi-retired. So these days it's just make a cup of coffee, look out the window and enjoy life. Try not to look at the market. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, don't forget to hit subscribe, rate the show. Uh, we love those five-star ratings. I can't uh, recommend uh, you following uh, um, uh, our guests uh, enough, uh, particularly Ramp, uh, who is uh, enormous uh, entertainment and has a cult following. I think something like 180,000 followers or something Ramp now. Yep, we're up there. Yes. Time to retire. And, 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 die, and in dire need of more followers, clearly. I mean, you're not working hard enough. 180,000. <laughs> That's like a that's like a, a, a slow Tuesday for a TikTok investor. <laughs> I, I know you're out of time. Can I can I ask Ramp one question? Of yeah. course. Yeah. Are yeah. stock tips yes. from Dad real? Yes, they're 100 percent real. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> one of my one of my favorite bits. <laughs> so for I guess I have to do a quick explainer for those. So. Um, God, when did I start? This? It started years ago. But again, I, I'll even throw my dad as like a bag holder, noob whale investor. Um, <laughs> just gets all of his information from CNBC and, and MS, MSN, if that's even still a thing. Uh, and yeah, he'll text me. He doesn't even know. That's the great thing about it is he has no idea, obviously. But um, so he'll text me talking about stocks and sometimes I'll bait them into it, you know, like I'll bait them into it for sure. I'll say something and then I just know he's going to respond to it. And, but sometimes it'll just come out of the middle of nowhere, you know, like if Apple goes up after earnings and I'll put Apple with like some like money emojis on fire or something like that. And so what I do is every time, every time he talks anything about stocks and now Trump too, cause he hates Trump. But anytime he talks about stocks, I take a screenshot of it. And I just post it on Twitter and hashtag stock text from dad. It kind of turned into it. it kind of turned into its own little thing, but everyone loves it. Everyone's like, there's no way this is real. It's like, yes, it is. That's what makes it funny. Like it's that's very- the whole point. I don't have to do anything. Just take a screenshot and blur out some names. If he ever calls anybody out, but yeah, so it is one of my favorite bits too. It is a, a, a heartwarming uh, story uh, to, to wrap up the show. <laughs> which is produced by Eamon Connolly, uh, Rick Salter. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks again to our guests. We'll catch you next time.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.